Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. <laughs> hey, there was a... Uh, I, first of all, I'd like for you to go ahead and get your Bibles. Get them open to the book of Luke chapter 21. Luke 21, verse 1. While you're turning to Luke 21, I just got to thank a few people who came up here yesterday, and they did a lot of cleaning and fixing and repairing on, on the building. So I, I just got to thank a few people here came down to Project Day. So I'm going to thank a- Amber and Jake and Jordan and David and Adam and Bryce and Ian and Lindsay and Drake and Evan and Joel and Katie and Anthony and Deacon and Elijah and Thomas, Zion and Jaden and Darius and Joy. And as I was reading through those names, I was just thinking, wait a minute, most of those are Bible names. So here's the deal. Like, I guess if you have a Bible name, you get to come work on the church on a Saturday, all right? But thank you guys. Thank you so much for doing that. I really, really appreciate it. Well, I'm in this series called The Power of Sacrifice, and this is the fourth message in this five-part series, and, uh, and, and I, I've, I've really enjoyed it. The first time, we, the first uh, part of this series, we were talking about the blood sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus, and we acknowledge that today with Holy Communion. The second uh, part of the series, we talked about the sacrifice of our lips. What is the sacrifice of our lips? It is praise. It's worship. Praise and worship to the Lord. And then the third part is the sacrifice of your life. And that is disengaging from the patterns of the world. That means the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So we, we learned that sacrifice is actually a critical part of our, of our relationship with God. Nowhere does it say that we don't sacrifice anymore. There are a lot of New Testament applications to sacrifice that we acknowledge and that we live out. It's part of our faith. So today, I, this is the fourth part, and to this, this part we're talking about something called the sacrifice of your loot. Now, I, I ran this by the staff, and I said, okay, that sounds like I came up with this, this title. I don't know if it's, if it, do you think it would work? And they said, well, what's it about? I said, you know how everything belongs to God. And, and it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so they approved this title, okay? This has been approved. Y'all with me? All right, so, so they said, go for it. But what does loot mean? Loot means this. It means goods of value. That's a good definition. Loot means goods of value. That means your money. That means your possessions. And the Bible talks a lot about this. And I'm going to touch on this for just a moment today. I asked you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 21, verse 1. And in this, uh, in this story that we're about to take a look at, Jesus and his disciples, they were at the temple. And they were about ready to worship. But as people were coming in, people were depositing their offerings in this. It had been in this huge offering receptacle that was, uh, that was right there in the lobby on your way in. So as they were coming in, they were depositing their offerings. Let's take a look at what happened here. Luke chapter 21, verse 1. It says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. Do you guys hear like this rumbling in the background? Yeah, Yeah, it's kind of cool, isn't it? That's for dramatic effect. (laughs) 
sometimes, you know what? We rarely have audio issues like this, but today's the day for audio issues. It's gonna, but when you hear that, you know that's actually for, for effect. It's not. I'm just kidding you. It's just, it's just there. But as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. The way I imagined this as a kid, because I, I was always fascinated by this story, is that there would be these wealthy people dressed in these really, really nice clothes, and, and they would come and they would have these bags of, of coins or something like that, and they would dump them into the temple treasury and make a lot of money. And then, you know, they would take, I, I, in my mind, they would take out these huge coins and they would drop them in. And, and it, would make, it would make a pretty big spectacle. People are like, ooh, they're spiritual. They are spiritual. Well, then along comes this woman, this widow woman, who just brings two small copper coins. So let's just call them two pennies. So she brings in these two pennies, and she drops them in. It doesn't even make a sound as they're going in. It's just like clink, clink. Nobody is even going to notice. Now take a look at that next verse. Jesus says in verse 3, Luke 21, 3, he says, Truly I tell you, this poor widow, all right, get this, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. So they were all doing the same deed. They were all giving offerings. And Jesus is not saying anything negative about the people that were bringing a lot. No, but she is saying, he says something positive about this woman, the sacrificial offering of this widow. And, and uh, the, the truth here, here, Luke 21, 4, I'm going to give you several instances of these in the Bible, these incredible little quick stories, is this, this woman, she sacrificially gave really just two cents in an offering and it was all she had to live on. But it was her sacrifice. And here's the truth. We often get too hung up on the amount. And sometimes people want to compare, like, well, how much would I give? And that's why we would never tell anybody how much somebody else gives. It's because it's a comparison, and it's dangerous. It really is. You know, there are a lot of foundations and organizations that will say, this person gave this much, this person gave this much, and it's a competition to see who can do more. But the kingdom of God is not about that, right? Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad? Man, I, I am so glad we don't put up like all of that in the, in the hallway. Everybody looking at that and go, well, I'm going to bump up a few notches. I'm going to bump them you know, out of their space. No, no, no. I mean, that would be so ridiculous. Now, it's a common occurrence in the world, interestingly enough. The world accuses the church of being out to get, but the truth is the world is the one who puts everybody in competition to compete against each other to have the higher dollar amount. Interesting, right? Okay, so just keep that in mind. But the church doesn't do that. Why? It's because Jesus made it clear. It's not essentially the dollar amount per se. It's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. The scripture says we are just to simply sacrifice. Now, I remember when I was nine years old. I was attending my dad's church in Odessa, Texas. My dad was pastoring a little church called Faith Assembly of God. Faith. Faith Assembly of God. And, and it, was, it, was a, it was just a lot of fun growing up in church. Growing up you know, with my dad pastoring. But at Faith Assembly of God, I, I remember it was a Sunday evening church we had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. How many of y'all were raised on that? Sunday morning, Sunday night. You better be at all of those if you're deeply spiritual, right? 
Okay. Well, it was a Sunday night service. I'll never forget it. And I was sitting, I, I remember so clearly, I was sitting six rows back. And I was sitting on the aisle seat. And, uh, and that, that particular church was a tiny church. It was the smallest church my dad ever pastored. And there were probably 15 of us there. And, uh, and I, was, I was sitting on the aisle seat, and it was time for the offering. And so one of the deacons would come up, and he would pass this, this plate around. And I got so excited because I reached into my pocket. That day I realized I had money in my pocket. Well, I always carried a little bit of change around with me. I don't know, not many of us carry change anymore. But I carried, had all of my money with me. And I remember so clearly that it was 63 cents. And I pulled it out of my pocket. How much of this should I give? I said, God, I want to give some of this to you. I know the tithe is six cents, but I would love to, I would love to give something to you. What? And I just felt God saying, give it all. I'm like, oh, that's going to be like the widow woman in the Bible. And so... I took my 63 cents out. Now I remember the feeling as the, as the usher was coming and bringing the basket around and put it in front of some people and they would just kind of like ignore it and other people would take they are, They'd already given online though. And, uh, and there was no online back then. That was a joke. Okay, but, but they were, they were, uh, they were getting, he was receiving the offerings and he came back to me and I had all that change in there and I put it quietly into the plate. And as soon as I put it in, I kind of looked around. And now in my nine-year-old imagination, I'm picturing every dude in that room as being rich. Except I knew I wasn't. And I just picked like, oh, like, oh these people, they're so rich. And they put, you know, they put in some offerings, but I gave more than them. And I started feeling so good about myself. And, and, but, and then I remember, it's like I heard God speak at that moment, said, don't, don't you be getting all prideful about that. And you better not tell anybody. I, I really felt that from God. And so now I'm telling you, but this is way back. So I can't, and you're not going to give me any glory for that, all right? But I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell, I didn't tell my Sunday school teacher. I didn't tell my brothers. I didn't tell anybody in the church, but I just gave it all. And it was such a refreshing experience as I gave it to the Lord. And I let go of that. I just let go of the pride. And now you have to understand that may not seem like a lot of money to you, but I, gum was 10 cents a pack back then. I could get a candy bar for 15 cents, and they were a whole lot bigger than the candy bars we have now. And, and I could go, go get a drink for either 10 or 15 cents at the store. And there was a convenience store not far from there, and I would load up. This meant I was not going to be loading up for several more days. But what a blessing that was just to be able to give sacrificially. And I don't think God ever said, well, that was kind of a chintzy gift there, Tim. Can't you do a little better next time? I hope you grow up and make some money. (laughs) Never felt that from God. Hey, parents, I want to talk to you for a second. If your child ever wants to give an offering, give it even a sacrificial offering, let them. Let them do it. Don't hold them back. Sometimes we even dealt with it when our children were small, and sometimes they would want to give give like all their money or give it all. Say, so, okay, well, if God's told you to, then you can do it. And they would pray about it, and sometimes like, no, God didn't tell me to do that. Other times, like, yeah, He did. But they do it in faith. It's a faith, and it's sacrifice. And they're that, just like these other types of sacrifice. I think we should teach this sacrifice to our children at a young age. So, parents, don't ever discourage your kids for, from giving. Uh, it's, there's something about that. And I'll tell you the truth. When it comes to sacrifice, some of my most precious thoughts and memories of me living out my faith all through the years have been when I've sacrificed in one way or another. And I've sacrificed to give. I've sacrificed to bless. 
So how do you get there? How do you get to that point? Well, there's a really simple prayer that we ask you to pray around here. And this is the simple prayer. It's this. Lord, make me a distribution center for your kingdom advance. Lord, make me a distribution center for your kingdom advance. In fact, jot that down. In fact, you know what? Let's go ahead and say it together. Just say this together. Say it with me. Lord, make me a distribution center for your kingdom advance. Now, that's, a, that's some broad terminology, but it's broad on purpose because God will speak into it in different ways. And hopefully, I'm praying that as a result of this message, your eyes will be open and you will begin to see like, yes, I can. There are ways that I can sacrificially give. See, you are a distribution center. Have you ever, any of you ever been inside a distribution center? They have these huge racks and they, they, put, they have all types of product in there and they have to take this product, they get orders for the project product they have to take the product out and get it on the trucks and get it out and so what they do is they 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 send this out to wholesalers to resellers and even to uh, even to uh, consumers but they'll get it it's the distribution center has the stuff and they get it out to where it needs to go all right that's important they get it out to where it needs to go but we're distribution centers for god's kingdom so we get it out, whatever we have, we get it out and get it sacrificially to where it needs to go for the sake of God's kingdom. It's for the sake of God's kingdom. And there are a lot of ways we do this. You can do it with your tithes or your offerings, your mission support, helping somebody who's, who's in need. I mean, giving a person a ride or giving them a meal. Uh, it could mean giving them a job. Uh, just helping someone with their utilities, maybe giving someone food or shelter. Like this morning, there was a, there was a, a man laying out right in front of our front door <laughs> this morning, like in order to get in, was like, hey, excuse me, sir, he's asleep. And, and uh, had obviously, of course, had been there all night and not, in, you know, not, looking, in, not looking very good. But what, what are you going to do? Take, take care of him, get him some food, get him something to drink, help the person out. There are things we can do all around us things we can do all around us if we'll just begin to open our eyes. Being a distribution center for kingdom advance, it requires, though, that you listen to God and not just act foolishly. Listen to God. Hear the voice of the God. And when God speaks, then you act. When God speaks, you act, and you don't hesitate. And then you don't look back and say, well, I wonder if it was God. No, it was God. You just move forward. You move on. Here's some examples. In Acts chapter 2, verse 45. And you don't have to look these up, but I'm just going to give you the, the little stories on each one of these. Christians, these are brand new Christians. I mean, they had just they had just gotten saved. The gospel had just come to Jerusalem. The church was just getting started. People had just been filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were baptizing people. And then as one of the first things they did, one of the first things Christians did, which made them stand out, which made them different than the rest of Jerusalem, was this. Is they, sacrificed, they sacrificially sold property and possessions to share with, uh, with those who were in need. So this was a significant trait of the early Christians. And they saw themselves as distribution centers for kingdom advance. God's kingdom was advanced because they did this. In fact, many people ended up coming to faith in Christ because they saw how Christians just were acting different. Like these people used to not act this way. Now they are actually generous toward others. First Kings chapter 17 is another fantastic story. It's about this widow woman who, who, who sacrificially prepared bread for Elijah. And, and she ended up having her food last through the rest of this drought. God miraculously provided for her. 
whatever. And, and, and this was a severe famine. I'm telling you guys, so there had not been rain that had come for years. And so Elijah was told by God to go to this lady and that she would give him something to, something to eat. So what he does is he shows up to her and, and the prophet, he's the prophet. He's the, he's the dude, all right? He's the guy who his God is working through at the time. So he gets to her and he shows up and he says, can I have some water? I mean, maybe even his faith is a little bit low at that point. But he, he said, can I have some water? And she's like, well, sure. So she turns around and starts walking off. And then he goes, oh, yeah, can you give me some, something to eat too? And that's when she stopped. She turned around and looked at him and she said, well, you don't understand. I just have a handful of flour and a little bit of olive oil in my house. And my son and I, we're going to make some food today. And, and then we're going to have our last meal. and We're going to go ahead and starve to death. And uh, Elijah said, well, if you'll just make me just a small little piece of bread first, uh, you know, God, God will bless you. Will, will you do that? And, and so she did. She, she acted in faith. So she had in her possession. So she was a distribution center. What does she have to distribute? Well, some flour and oil. So she made a little cake. So she distributed some of that to the prophet and he ate of it. And then she made a little bit for herself and her son. And they came back and the food was there. The, the oil and the flour never ran out until the drought broke. In fact, she went a step further. She says like, well, I actually have an extra bed in the house. Do you need a place to stay? That's her, do you understand? She's a distribution center. She says, I have this. I can provide this. Let me help take care of you. So he, he did that. The prophet and her, and they all had a roof over their heads, and they had plenty of food to eat till the end of the drought. Now, that's a miracle right there. Exodus chapter, th- and, and God's kingdom advanced. Do you hear that? All right. Now, the next one is Exodus chapter 36, verse 5. This is when God's children were in the wilderness, and uh, and they were, they were out there, and God had just given a command to Moses to build this tabernacle, which would have been a, a, a portable, uh, like a portable temple where God's presence would dwell as they were out there in the desert. Well, in order to do this, they've got to have the resources. So, so Moses said, hey, bring, you know, bring your offerings in. So people kept bringing offerings and offerings and offerings and offerings. There, the scripture says they were sacrificial, free will offerings, and people would bring them morning after morning after morning. And it, there ended up being so much that Moses had to get up in front of all of God's people and say, please stop giving your offerings, okay? There's been enough. Now, that's when God's people are doing what they're supposed to do. There's enough, and there's more than enough. That's a, that's a huge miracle. So they got to house the presence of God, and God's kingdom advanced. They were distribution centers for the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 26, verse 7. I like this. Matthew 26, verse 7. Mary's sister, excuse me, Martha's sister Mary. You know the, uh, the story of Mary and Martha. Well, uh, the, her sister came and she poured this bottle of perfume, which was about the value of one month's wages at the feet of Jesus. She did this sacrificially as an offering to him. And, and when you look back, her gratitude toward Jesus was great because what Jesus had just done about a week earlier is he came to her town and, uh, and actually they were still there in the same town. Jesus had come there and raised her brother from the dead. Her brother was Lazarus and Jesus raised him from the dead. 
And Lazarus is actually sitting there in the meeting right there. And so she comes and she gives this extravagant offering to Jesus. And it, and it advances the gospel because Jesus even said, you might think, well, how does that advance the gospel? Well, it actually does. Because Jesus said, now every time someone gives the message of the gospel, wherever this is preached, anywhere in the world, for all of time, this story is going to be told. It's all about the advance of the gospel. It's about the, the power of sacrifice. In Acts chapter 4, verse 34, the scriptures say that, that, uh, that there was not one needy person in the church. Imagine having a church like that. It says, because property owners sold, uh, sold land and sacrificially give to help meet the needs of the congregation. You might say, well, isn't that what they did earlier? Yeah, but this is actually years later, Acts chapter 4. So these early Christians in, uh, in Jerusalem, they, they took the proceeds from their sales, and the scripture says that they came and they brought it to the church. They laid it at the feet of the, of the apostles, and it distributed to people who had the greatest need. God's kingdom was advanced. Do you understand? They're distribution centers. What do I have? What can I, if God puts it on your heart, what can I do to sacrificially give to, to the advance of God's kingdom? This is a way that it can happen, and you just obey God. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3. I like this because it tells about how Christians gave sacrificially in the, uh, in the, in the province of Macedonia. Oh, they, they had given Oh, just con- continually given, but there was a lot of persecution. And the scripture also says that these people were poor. They just didn't have much at all. But they gave, and they gave sacrificially. The, the scripture says that they were rich in generosity, going through severe trials and through, through really severe financial difficulties. And Paul goes on to say they not only gave what they... Uh, gave to their ability, but they even gave beyond their own ability. They gave sacrificially and was all for advancing the gospel. And therefore, uh, Paul was able to take that story of what the Macedonia church did, and he was able to say, now look, look what anybody can do. If they can do it, you can do it. Let's get the gospel out. See, there's something about generosity in general that changes our demeanor, and it opens us up for a reciprocal blessing. Now, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25 says this. Solomon's the one who said this. And Solomon would be considered probably one of the wealthiest men who's ever lived. Uh, and, he, uh, and he's also the wisest man next to Jesus Christ who ever lived. He said, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. It's a mystery. He says, another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. If there's anything you take out of this message today, I would memorize that last part. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. It's this law of uh, reciprocity where when you give when you are generous even sacrificial god comes back one way or another and he blesses it doesn't mean that that if you give five hundred dollars and then five thousand dollars is going to fall out of the sky tomorrow now it might happen but i'm telling you it probably won't The law of reciprocity is powerful. You don't know how God's actually going to bless you and bless your efforts and bless your family or your home or protect you. You have no idea. So the the good idea is just to, like it says, give freely. The generous person will prosper. 
Paul also says this. He says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 13. He said, share with the Lord's people. Share with them who are in need and practice hospitality. That right there is God's plan for a healthy church. Right there. That is God's plan for a healthy church. We share. We take care of one another. And I just want to thank you because so many of you, I, I, I know a lot of what, what happens. I don't know everything that happens because some of you do it very quietly, but you take care of each other around here. I've seen that happen over and over and over and over. As I look around this group, I see some of you who have been the recipients of a blessing when you felt like everything was about to go. And others who have given freely and said, wow, I want to help with this situation. Thank you. Thank you, church, because this is good, raw, healthy Christianity. Paul also says this, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. I used to think that that was a negative thing, that, that well, if I do this, I'm going to make their head burn up and blow up, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to be nice to people that I don't like, and so it's a head blow up. Actually, that, that means something a little bit different. There was, in, in order to warm a person up who was cold, they would have this thing that they would put on their head, and they'd put some coals up there. It wouldn't burn them, but it would warm them up. Uh, and so, so it, was a, it was actually a positive thing back then, so you're, you're actually blessing them. You're warming them up, and and. I, I like what it says. It talks about your enemy. Your enemy. How willing are you to bless someone you don't even like? You don't even like. Find a way to bless them. Just find a way to bless them. And watch what God will do through it. When I think about the tithe, we, you know, we, we talk about that each Sunday. And, and we encourage you to, to tithe to the Lord. When that was first instituted amongst the Jews, which is... Tithe is ten percent of of what of your new of your income, whatever that is. Uh, think about it in in Jewish terms. What what ten percent would have been? Well, the the words actually meant in in Jewish number, numerology. The number ten means wholeness or maturity. I'll say it again. Ten or tenth means wholeness or maturity. So if you're if you're going to be complete, if you're going to be operating in maturity, that's what the tithe is about. And you got to think, 3,000 years ago, if a person was told to give 10% of their flock, I mean, uh, you know, it's like, okay, that would be, that would be interesting. <laughs> but it was, in a, it was an act of obedience and spiritual maturity. Today, if your gross income is you know, $100,000 at the end of the year for your family, and you offer that first tenth to the Lord, that's actually 10000 And if you're obedient to God, what happens is that's spiritual maturity. So this is simply obedience. Now, here's how this works, though. The tithe, the tithe is part of your distribution center. We all, you all have the distribution center. The tithe, though, it comes into what the Bible calls the storehouse, which is the local church, so that the ministry functions and flourishes on the local church level. But above that is the sacrificial giving. And that's what I'm really talking to you about today. I'm talking about reaching this, this, uh, this, this new attitude toward giving in a sacrificial way where you hear from God. It doesn't mean to be foolish. It just means listen to God and obey. Listen to God and obey. You know, the question is not, well, what if I give sacrificially of my loot, which means my material goods. What if I give sacrificially of my loot and, and, uh, and then I might miss out on something? I might, not, you know, I might not have something that I wanted to have. Well, that's a wrong question. That's a wrong way of looking at it. 
I think the right way to look at it is to ask yourself the question, what will happen if I give, if I give sacrificially, what might happen to me spiritually? What might happen to me? I think perhaps one of the reasons why a lot of times our faith is weak is because we're not massaging our faith through our giving. Yeah, massage your faith through your giving. And when you give, it actually increases your faith. And, um, and you're going to begin to experience joy like you've never experienced before. I, know, I mean that. Again, looking back over my life, some of the times when God spoke to me to give sacrificially for one purpose or another, those are actually some of the high points because it leaves a mark in your mind. You, you, you remember what you did when you give sacrificially and that thought, those, those feelings like, wow, it becomes part of you and it's part of the joy of God that's in your heart. So I like to say this, at City Life Church, we're a generous church filled with generous people. That sacrificial giving goes in a lot of different directions. But not everybody gives equally, all right? But we can all give sacrificially, and we should. Why? Because we are distribution centers for God's kingdom in one way or another. So my challenge is this. As I wrap up this message on sacrifice, are you willing to sacrifice your loot to bless God's kingdom. Now, do you understand why we use the word loot? Are you willing to sacrifice the loot to advance God's kingdom? And I, and I want to challenge you. I, I personally challenge you in your giving overall this morning. And I encourage you to simply practice giving. I'm going to ask you to, to right now, to, pra- to practice this with your tithes and offerings. There are other things you will be able to do during the week, but I just want to challenge you regarding your tithes and your offerings right now. Uh, we say around here there are three ways to give. And there is the offering envelope, which is on the seat right in front of you. There's the giving station and the foyer that has uh, where you can give in different ways. And then there's also the third way to give is through the City Life app. And, uh, and I'll tell you, I, I strongly recommend that you set up your tithes, which is obedience, set up your tithes on a recurring basis if you have a set salary. I have a set salary, so I'm able to set my tithe up so it just the recurring giving just happens once a week and it is so it is so nice to be able to do that just think of all the other things you set up on recurring giving <laughs> or recurring not giving it's recurring uh, expectation of you maybe a bill or a loan or something like that and you just set it up on recurring so it comes out now, this is a way to set something up on recurring where it is it is your tenth it is your tithe and, and that is a that is a mark of maturity I challenge you with that the and, and you have to watch that sometimes because sometimes we give our tithes that way and we forget that we're doing it. Or maybe something extra will come in and we forget what we're doing. And Jordan was up here about a month ago and he was, he was, he was just giving a quick little talk on tithing and obedience. And right at that very moment, I was, I was sitting over there getting ready to preach. And it hit my, hit my mind like, oh yeah, they, the, the government dumped some money in my bank account like called stimulus money and, you know, and... Uh, I, I put it into savings and didn't give it a second thought. I never even tithed off of that. <laughs> so so I, I grabbed my phone real quick. I got to give this quick before I get up there to preach. Oh, God, just help Jordan to keep talking for a long time. So I, I gave my offering and God answered my prayer. And I gee, uh, set it off just right at the time Jordan was saying amen. And I was able to walk up here and preach that day. But I even think about this. What if I 
you know, came up here to preach and I disobeyed God. It's like, God, I'm not doing that. I I got no time for that. No. It's just being obedient to God. Now, here's what we ask you to do. We ask you to prepare offerings right now. It is our time to give. And if you're able to give today, I know some of you have already given uh, through recurring giving. Mine comes out every Saturday. Some of you have already given online. I thank you for that. But I'm going to ask you to prepare an offering right now. And I'm going to prepare something called a sacrificial offering. And this is a way for me just in this setting to give sacrificially, which means something that's above the tithe. So here in just a second, um, we're going to watch a video and they're going to come talk about a few things that, that are coming up here in the church. And the band's going to play. And then, and then the ushers are going to pass some baskets here in just a second. But I'm going to give you just a few minutes to go ahead and set up your offerings for today. All right? Would, would you do that? Would you do that? Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have in giving. I thank you, God, that it's, it's, not, it's not arduous, but it's just something that's full of life and it's full of power. And God, I, I, I thank you, Lord, that, that you give us this opportunity to exercise our faith. Exercise our faith. And as we give our tithes and as we even give offerings today, I pray blessing to be back on each individual. And I pray that that law of reciprocity will continue to function and continue to flow in their lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, I'd, while you're preparing your gifts, before we go to that video, as I was praying, I remembered something that, that I did in college. <clears throat> I was in Bible college studying to be a pastor, and, um, and I was in a situation where I wasn't receiving any support from my family. They, they weren't able to support me in college. I was, I was on my own. Had a full-time job, and uh, volunteered at my church, had a full-time job, and going to school full-time so it was a you know there was a lot there that's okay that was, it was good for me but my second year in college at the beginning of the year I felt the Holy Spirit say this year I want you to not only give your tithe but I want you to give an extra 10 percent and I was like God that's that's a lot and that that was my first opportunity at sacrificial giving and about three months into this <clears throat> I obeyed God, and I'll never forget doing it. I remember putting that offering in. That's back when we carried, like, lots of cash with us, and you put the cash in the envelope and run up. I, I put the cash in there and, and, and put it in the offering on that Sunday, and I thought, I'm, I'm not getting paid until Friday, and I know I don't have enough. I don't even have enough gas in my gas tank. You know, I can get food from the cafeteria and mooch off of people, but I still have to go to and from work. And didn't have credit card. Credit cards are too easy these days. What do you do? <clears throat> God, you've got to work a miracle for me. And I started thinking, okay, well, I could walk to work. It would take me about an hour to get there. And I have to walk back. And I started thinking how I was going to do all this. And, but God, it's in your hands. I, I'm walking in obedience to you. Now, I'll, I'll tell you the amount of my double tithe was was just $40. So... Uh, so I had given, excuse me, I had given 40 already, and then my second part was another 40. But I needed that 40, but I still did what God said. And we had these little, these barrels that sat at the end of our dormitory where we were supposed to dump our trash from our dorm rooms. And I took my trash, it was Monday, 
It was Monday afternoon. I took my trash and went and dumped it outside. And, and as soon as I went to dump it, there were two, I'm telling you, pristine, crisp $20 bills laying on top, on top of the trash. Like they were just boom, placed there. Now, my first thought was, oh, no, one of my, one of my dorm mates, you know, one of my friends here lost their money. But I was like, this is too perfect. I mean, how, how do they get, like, they haven't even folded it's like, thank you, Jesus. I jumped up my trash. I had everything I needed for the rest of that week and more. I don't, God, God works in different ways. You just never know how God's going to work. He doesn't always do it that way, but God's going to take care of you. So- Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, Head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.